Good morning. All right, all those of you who've been married over two years, raise your hand. Two years. All of you who've been married less than two years, raise your hand. Less than two years. Look at that. Congratulations. And, and how many of you now uh, plan to get married within this next year? Stand up. We want you to stand up. Savannah, go ahead and stand up. Look at that. Isn't that great? Huh? All right, guys, don't blow it. You're not married yet, okay? We'll be doing some counseling to make sure you don't mess up, all right? It's great to see everybody today, and I hope you're ready to worship the Lord today. And it is a great a week just to celebrate uh, the Lord as we come to that Thanksgiving season where we think more about being thankful, but it's certainly something we should be aware of all the time, right? Being more thankful to the Lord for all the many blessings that we have if we know the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, that alone is a blessing in and of itself. And this morning, we want to concentrate on the Lord and all the blessings we have in Him. We will finish Psalm 115 today. And, um, you know, I've, I've just spent one week in it, all right? Um, but we will uh, finish that this morning, and then we'll have the Lord's Supper together. And uh, so I know we sent out a little text message about that. And, and uh, so it's important to kind of get ready for that. So if, if you're visiting with us today or um, uh, you didn't get that message for some reason, you can spend some time thinking about and praying through um, this time that we share together as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted to make just a couple of announcements uh, this morning. One has to do with um, uh, uh, luncheon for those who are uh, new to us, who want to know more about the church, and that will be on December the 3rd. There's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer. I would encourage you guys to to sign up for that, and um, we want to just encourage you. If your desire is to know more about grace, we'd love to tell you more about that and uh, about what the Lord is doing here. And um, just uh, encourage you, hopefully, as you seek to find that church. That's a hard thing to do, I think, in these days. But we want to encourage you any way that we can. And I'll be there, and my wife, and then other folks uh, that uh, are part of that. But we want to encourage you uh, as you consider where the Lord might have you uh, to be and to worship. That's very, very important. This morning, I want you to take your Bibles and go back to 1 Thessalonians. We're reading through the book of 1 Thessalonians And 2 Thessalonians, you can never read the Bible enough. And so we want to be encouraged this morning to read through 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And as we read the Word of God, I would ask that um, in honoring the Lord, that we would stand, those of you who can, and if you cannot uh, stand, that's fine. You remain seated as we read uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul writes, therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. 
For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith. For fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always think kindly of us longing to see us just as we long to see you. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. What thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account? As we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word as we consider what Paul wrote to this dear church in Thessalonica. Let's uh, pray uh, together. Lord, we just want to pause for a few moments this morning and just thank you for who you are. We want to thank you for the many, many blessings that we have in knowing the Lord Jesus, if we do. We want to thank you for chapters like this we read this morning as we consider how Paul was such a faithful minister of the gospel and faced so many different conditions and, and established so many different churches, and they were all so unique. There's one thing that, there's several things that run through the letters he wrote, but you just, as you read through, you, you know the love that he had for these people, the love that he had for you, the love that he had for the gospel of Christ pray that we would kind of measure that this hour. You know, how's our love for you? How's our love for other people? How's our love for the gospel? And so I pray that we might glorify you this hour in all that's said, all that's done, all that's sung. I pray that we're just excited beyond belief to be worshiping together this morning. I pray that's true. And we give you all the praise in the name of Christ. Amen. Good morning, guys. Great to see everybody. and um, I look forward every week to coming and worshiping with you guys and singing songs that talk about who God is and what he's done. This morning, let's just keep in mind who we're, who we're singing to, right? Uh, the God of all creation, uh, the one who made us and formed us and created us, the son who gave his life for us and rose again, uh, the spirit that leads us into all truth. Amen. So let's sing together.
sovereign God, O matchless King, the saints adore, the angels sing, and fall before the throne of grace. To you belongs the highest praise. These sufferings, this passing time,
It's the wrong song, guys. He became sin. There we go. Who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness? He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing. Love so
Dank u wel. As you guys know, I'm experimenting with this tablet, and it truly is an experiment. So hopefully, what needs to pop up will pop up. All right? And you know that I can write, they said, with this little thing. And um, yeah, so that's going to be awesome. I don't know if I'll write anything. I'm a little bit afraid to. But uh, we'll see what happens. Take your Bibles and go to Psalm 115. If you're not already there, Psalm 115. This week is Thanksgiving. And I wanted to just remind you um, that there is a clear distinction between two different foods that are offered on Thanksgiving. That looks disgusting to me. <laughs> that is what folks call stuffing. Yeah, no thank you. We lived in New York State for five years, and I believe we were invited a couple of times to folks' home, and that's what they brought to us. And we had prayer, and then we prayed again before we ate it. But there is a big difference between stuffing... And that, that is called cornbread dressing. And all God's people said, amen. All right. Whew. That is good stuff. My wife makes tremendous um, cornbread dressing. And um, Thursday we'll be here, Lord willing. I'm convinced it'll be part of the Last Supper. We're going to have catfish, hush puppies. And some dressing. There'll be a little corner in heaven when you can get that. All right. Well, there is a distinct difference between those two dishes. And this psalm that we look at, the author, the psalmist, is pointing out a clear difference between the God of heaven. And idols. That there is a remarkable difference between the God of heaven, Yahweh, and idols. And remember last week we looked at that. And if we were going to sum up three things that pertain to idols, we would say that the psalmist points out they're powerless. They're without power. They have no power. They can't do anything. They, in fact... Um, only can do what their maker does. The maker takes them around. They are powerless to do anything. And we serve the all-powerful God. How about that? The idol is lifeless. There is no life in the idol. Can't do a thing. And the psalmist points out, can't hear, can't see, can't speak, has no life in and of itself, our God's very much alive. And he sees and he hears. And in the Old Testament, he spoke to men. 
He speaks to us today through the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. And aren't you thrilled that every believer in Christ in this room has the spirit of the living God that resides in them. You do not have to try to live the Christian life on your own. Idols are lifeless. And then the summary statement then is that idols then are useless. There's no purpose. But isn't it amazing that over the centuries, how many people have bowed down to a piece of wood or a piece of gold or a piece of silver? You say, Thad, how in the world can that happen? Well, the enemy has blinded the world to their need for the Lord Jesus. We need to pray that the Lord would give us mouths to speak the truth. We are living in the last days and have been. Apostle Paul knew that. We need to understand the moment that we're in. There are people that are walking in churches today that haven't walked in churches before. They're looking for what is the answer? Well, it's who is the answer. The answer is the Lord Jesus. So in this particular psalm, the psalmist points out that there is a drastic difference between the God of heaven and these idols. Now we come to the second section in which the author continues to speak of this difference. Because he begins with a very important issue in the life of those belonging to the Lord. And his counsel, why is this not pulling up? Oh boy. Okay, I didn't do anything to it. I pushed the button. All right, we'll just, there it is. His counsel the psalmist's counsel was for these folks to trust in the Lord. You say, well, who is he talking to? Look in verse 9. His counsel is in verse 9 through verse 11. He says, O Israel, trust in the Lord. O house of Aaron, look at this, verse 10. Trust in the Lord. In other words, the priesthood, the leaders, the spiritual leaders. Trust in the Lord. Verse 11 You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. Many theologians believe he's talking about a third group of people. Gentiles, those who were not of the house of Israel. I need some volunteers. I need some people this morning who want to come and stand on the stage. I want to illustrate what the author is doing. I need, I can call out names. But I would like to have 15 people to come up here. Young people, it can be you. Just start walking up. I need 15 people. 15 people. Let's go. Let's go. All right. I think we got them. Come on, come on. Now, you're going to stand right right over here. Okay? Y'all come together. This is beautiful. These are folks who some do sing in the choir. Some we wouldn't want them singing in the choir. All right. Great group of people. Now, this is what the psalmist is doing. He's saying, first of all, Israel, trust in the Lord. These folks, we're just going to say in this section, are Israel. Okay? This is Israel. Israel, trust in the Lord. All right? Now, the response from the choir 
is, he is their help and their shield. It's called a refrain. So this group here is Israel, and we're going to say to Israel, trust in the Lord. And then you're going to say, he is their help and their shield. Okay? Now, these are the priests here, the house of Aaron. They're part of Israel, but these are selected folks here. This the priesthood, right? And the same message for Israel was the same message to the leaders of Israel spiritually. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. He is their help and their shield. Very good. Okay, and then these guys over here, we'll say are the third group, converted pagans. <laughs> they look like some converted pagans, don't they? Right, so this is how that would have looked, okay? So this is the message. We're going to go through it one time. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. Give it to them. Harder, okay? O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. Good. And all you who fear the Lord... Trust in the Lord. Excellent. All right, you guys can go sit down. Listen, that's the picture here. You have the psalmist who's crying out, O Israel, trust in the Lord. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. Those of you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. That's the counsel. Remember that psalms are wisdom literature. The wisdom for Israel... And for the spiritual leaders and for all those who would follow the Lord is trust in the Lord. There's a reason that I gave you that little phrase there, trust in the Lord. I didn't use anything else. You could say, some would say, well, you could rely on the Lord. But there's one thing here that you don't need to um, walk away uh, without knowing. You see that little preposition in? That's a significant word. The idea is that you are anchored in the Lord. It's not trust the Lord. It's not trust on the Lord. It's trust in the Lord. The anchor in your life, Israel, is the Lord. The anchor in your life, spiritual leaders, is the Lord. The anchor in your life, all you who fear the Lord, right, is the Lord. The anchor in your life is the Lord. So we don't walk around with a meaningless message even today when we say trust in the lord we're saying anchor yourself in the lord does that sound good no matter what we face in this life trust in the lord now we don't know as we said last week what time period this psalm uh, refers to whether it's after the exodus or after israel's exile in babylon it really doesn't matter the issue is Hey, Israel, trust in the Lord. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. Is the message any different for the church today? No. You know, initial faith, saving faith, is critical. But after you come to Christ, it's that daily faith, right? Isn't that an issue? It comes up. Trust in the Lord. And we can trust in the Lord because he's trustworthy. He's worthy of our trust. 
I like what Johnny Erickson Tata said. Trusting the Lord is simply taking him at his word and taking the next step. That's pretty good, isn't it? When all those things are coming apart, right, and you're like, ah, oh, I just can't figure this out. I mean, whether it's a health issue or financial issue, whatever it is, children, every once in a while, young people, you're a headache. So you're like, wow, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do with my teenager. I don't know what I'm going to do about this bill that's in front of me. You know what the Lord wants us to do? Hey, trust in him. He's the anchor. He's the one in the midst of the storm that I can rely on, right? Trust in the Lord. That's the message that the psalmist has for Israel and for the house of Aaron and for those who fear the Lord. I just want to make one more comment about that group of folks. The house of Aaron here refers to the priesthood, those who were the leaders, the spiritual servants. You know, I, I want to say this. Do you know what people today in the church and outside the church need? They need to see leaders in churches trusting God. Trusting Him. Not, talk, not just talking about Him, but trusting Him. We need to trust that, you know what, the Lord is on the throne and he knows exactly what's going on. He's not surprised by any event that's going on in, his, in, in the world today. He's not shocked by anything. He knows. And the one that knows is the one that's coming. Isn't that nice? And he's coming for you, for me, that belong to him. So the first message to Israel... And to all those mentioned was to trust in the Lord. And I think that's a a good message for us. The second point that uh, the psalmist makes concerns confidence. You see the confidence of the psalmist, not in himself and not in these people, but in the Lord. His confidence is in the Lord. And what's his confidence about? It's about blessing. His confidence is about blessing. That blessing is from the Lord. You believe that? Blessing is from the Lord. Let's just go ahead and make our application real quick. We need to be reminded as the church, if you go to Ephesians chapter 1, it tells us that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. You know, there's so much emphasis in our culture and even church culture at times on blessing equating to money or materialism. Boy, we really need to speak a different message, don't we? People need to hear from us that while we're going through the midst of the storm, we're blessed people. And that blessing has nothing to do with money or materialism. It has everything to do with being in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what do we have here from the psalmist to this same audience. We have confidence. The confidence that blessing is from the Lord. You see that in verse 12. Look at it. Here it is. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord. Notice the order in this next little phrase. It doesn't say the great with the small. It says what? The small together with the great. In other words, 
everyone, all of God's people, no matter position, right? I think sometimes even in our culture, in our uh, church culture today, we think about the blessings of the Lord and we think, well, they're blessed more because they have this position or they have this title or they're from this tribe or this is their last name. No, 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 no. The blessings me. Every single person in this room that is born again has blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, small or great. And so he says, he will bless those who fear the Lord, the small together with the great. This confidence is linked here that the psalmist has to one particular phrase. I want you to notice this. Because he talks about the future blessing. He says in verse 12, he will bless the house of Israel. He says in verse 12, he will bless the house of Aaron. He says in verse 13, he will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great. Well, why could he say that? Well, he could say it because of verse 12 where he says, the Lord has been mindful of us. His confidence was on who God had been and who he continued to be. That he was the one that blessed them and he was the one that would continue to bless them. Isn't that good? That the one who blessed the nation of Israel would be the one to continue to bless the nation of Israel. And as I mentioned last week, the Lord has not forgotten the nation of Israel. He will bless them one day. And did you know the Bible says that the Lord Jesus is going to come from heaven with those arrayed in white saints, who I believe is the church, and they're going to come with the Lord Jesus and they're going to come to the earth. And the Lord Jesus is going to rule and reign for a thousand years. And you know who's going to be resurrected at the end of the tribulation period? Those looking for the king in the kingdom. Those Israel. Those who belong to the Lord. And so listen, when we think about the blessing of the Lord, as the psalmist is looking at it, he's not thinking just simply about what is future. He's linking that future back to what God has been. He has been the one who has blessed them and would continue to bless them. And you know what's amazing about the blessing of the Lord as it relates to Israel? The Lord blessed them even in their disobedience. He blessed them. He never left them. He never forsook them, right? There were times when Israel was disobedient, right? But the Lord was always faithful in his presence with Israel. Well, there's a a guy named Calvin who wrote this. The blessings of the Lord God are innumerable. The commitment to count each one would not be a futile exercise if more time was spent counting blessings Burdens might look different. What do you think about that? This guy named Calvin is not John Calvin. It's another guy that you know by the name of Calvin at times. Wrote this. That's me, by the way. My middle name is Calvin. This week I was going through a Chick-fil-A drive-thru, and one of the students here said, Hey, Thaddeus. And so they were going to write Thaddeus, and then the guy that was taking my order said, "Uh, Can I have a name? And I said, Calvin. Notice what the confidence in God's blessing produced here on the part of the psalmist. May the Lord give you increase. 
you and your children. May you be blessed of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. The confidence produced this request. You know, oftentimes um, in pagan cultures, whether it was the Egyptian culture or Babylonian culture, you had these fertility gods, right? And these fertility gods were the ones who would bless so that this family and this family and this family might have the blessing of children. Well, here's the reality of it. There is the one who is maker of heaven and earth and one who is the giver of life, and that is the God of all creation, the Lord himself. And so the psalmist is recognizing that not only does God give blessing, but he's requesting that the Lord would give them increase, that they would continue to be blessed. I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you counted your blessings? Might I encourage a little exercise on the part of you this week and myself? Because what I give to you, I'm going to do myself. But list out all the blessings that we have. Every single one of them. From the blessing of salvation to the blessing of being able to trust the Lord in the burdens. How many blessings would you be able to list this morning? I read a a story of a man named Johnson Oatman. Any of you heard of Johnson Oatman? Wow, I hadn't either. But I love the song, Count Your Many Blessings, Name Them One by One. You familiar with that? Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Johnson Oatman wrote that song. He was a Methodist minister who lived in the mid-1800s, early 1900s. And he wrote over 5,000 songs. He went on a streak where he was writing 200 a year. That's a lot of songs. But one of his most favorite songs that he wrote was Count Your Many Blessings. Well, in 1902, he was visiting... A hospital. Well, this hospital was a unique hospital because this hospital was just for children. And they had taken them out into like an open area because they wanted these children who were ill to just get some sun, right? We think sometimes we take the blessing of the sunshine for granted. But these kids hadn't been outside and, 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 and they wanted to take them outside. So they take them outside and, and there's a lot of children out in this courtyard kind of area and, and Johnson Oatman is going to visit these children and sing with them and encourage them through a message. And one of the kids says to Johnson Oatman, can we sing my favorite song? And so Johnson Oatman was thinking, well, there's a lot of different songs that I've written. I'm not sure which ones that she was familiar with, but I'm sure it'll be one that's appropriate. And, and he was just blown away. She said, Mr. Oatman, I would like to sing the song, Count Your Many Blessings. I read that and I'm like, yeah, that's like us present day going to Children's Hospital. And one of those kids saying, hey, I want to sing this song, Count Your Many Blessings. Name them one by one. As 
we were talking in the office this week. We had a staff meeting, and we always read the Bible together and talk and pray. And we were talking. I get, sometimes I get to preaching during our meetings. I don't mean to, but sometimes I'm talking about what I'm going to be talking about. And I got stuck on this. Because we live in a spoiled culture. And we have so, so much. And it's available right at our fingertips, so to speak. And, and yet I get to thinking, Lord, I've got all these things that I could name. That yes, they're, they're blessings because you're the provider. But when was the last time, Thad Blunt, that you have sat down and thought, Lord, thank you for the blessing of having my mom with me in my life for 73 years. Thank you for the blessing of having my children in my life. My oldest son is 32 years old. I can't even believe it. That's an old guy, right? Think about his father. The blessing of, of having my wife of 38 years. The blessing of having a church family that I can worship the Lord with. Think about it. There are so many blessings. The psalmist wanted these folks to understand that blessing comes from the Lord. Well, I would encourage you to kind of think through that maybe this week. Blessing is from the Lord. Well, there's a third point that's made. This is a pretty interesting one. This is about commitment. In the last part of the psalm, he talks about commitment. And the commitment, and this is very, very important, but the, because the commitment is to adore the Lord. You say, Thad, where do you get that word adore? I'll tell you. Look in verse 18. It says, but as for us, we will bless the Lord. The word bless there means adore. We will adore the Lord. What things might we attach to adore? Worship, praise, just it, things in general in our, our world. We adore a baby. Yeah. We adore them until they grow up a little bit and we're like, wow, okay. We still adore them, right? Love. What? Love, Love all right? We adore life. Huh? You, oh, I thought you said something. His wife. That's a good one. That's the right answer. Remember, the, remember guys, in the very beginning, I said, not married yet? <laughs> adore, 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 right? So we think about all the different things that uh, the word adore is attached to in our culture, right? But... The psalmist attaches this word to the Lord himself. That we are to adore the Lord. I gave you some verses there in your handout. But I want to talk about, just for a moment, if you'll allow me to, I want to show you something. Beginning in verse 16, he says, The heavens are the heavens of the Lord. They belong to the Lord. But the earth he has given to the sons of men. So while we're here on earth, what do we do? Do we, as some people, waste our life? It should never be said of a believer that we're wasting our life. There should be a mindset to 
adore the Lord. There should be a mindset to serve the Lord. Now, what's interesting is he contrasts between two different groups of people. Those who don't adore the Lord and then those who do. Look at verse 17. He says, the dead do not praise the Lord. What in the world is he talking about? Oh, yeah, he's talking about those that are physically dead. I don't believe that's what the psalmist is talking about. I believe the psalmist is talking about those in the context of Psalm 115 who make these idols. Because those who make the idols are what? They're dead. Those who bow down to the idols are what? They're dead. They are spiritually dead. He says, the dead do not praise the Lord. Those who are spiritually dead in our culture do not praise the Lord. Did you know that? They don't do it. Those who know the Lord are the ones who praise the Lord. It's interesting. I thought about this, and I'm going to have you turn there because I have some time. Isn't it wonderful? Um, Go to Luke chapter 9. I want to show you something. Because in Luke chapter 9, I think we have a little bit of an example of, about this spiritually dead person. Luke chapter 9, it's in the context of those who were following the Lord or wanted to follow the Lord. And I know you've probably heard this particular section, but it's very interesting. Verse 57 of Luke chapter 9. I love hearing those pages turn. Can I just say that out loud? I just said it out loud, didn't I? Verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, him being Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, hey, you going to follow the Lord? It's not comfortable. It's not Verse 59, he said, to, he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me to go and bury my father. my father. That sounds like a reasonable request, does it not? Sure, right? Notice what the Lord says. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. In other words, allow the spiritually dead to bury the physically dead. That's what he's saying. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. So as we go back to Psalm 115, he, the psalmist says, The dead do not praise the Lord. Well, those who worship idols, they're not worshiping the God of heaven, are they? No. They are, why are they not? Because they're spiritually dead. He says, The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. In other words, those who die physically without the Lord. So... Being without the Lord, it stinks, doesn't it? It literally stinks because you're not worshiping the one who made you. So he said, the spiritually dead do not worship the Lord, neither do the ones who die that are spiritually dead. But look at this huge contrast. He says, but as for us, I love that little pronoun. Because the psalmist didn't say, hey, look, as for me, he's saying us. So as for us in this room, we will bless, we will adore the Lord from this time forth and forever. Praise the Lord. So you have those who don't and those who do. 
by the way, you fit in one of those categories this morning. Do you know that? So you're either the one who does worship the Lord or you're one who doesn't. So you fit in one of those categories. Which is it? Martin Luther makes quite a statement. I almost didn't include this because I thought, man, that's pretty, pretty uh, potentially controversial when you think about it. But he says, together with God's people in united adoration of the Lord is as necessary to the Christian life as prayer. What do you think? <laughs> That's the one you have to think about, right? But it is essential. That's why we think through passages like Hebrews where the author says, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together, right? Which was the habit of some. Especially as you see the day drawing near. What day? The Lord drawing near. The day of judgment drawing near. We need to worship the Lord. We need to do that together. So, as we think about this word adore, how do we practically adore the Lord? How can we do that? Through song? We did it this morning already. We're going to do it again. You, and, and this is what's going to happen in a minute, all right? The choir is going to come up here and they're going to sing. And you're going to think, well, they're adoring the Lord. I can't really do that because I'm not singing wrong. While they're singing, you remember all those ones that came up here that wanted to be in the choir, minus a few of them that were already in? We can sit right where we are and adore the Lord. Did you know when you're at work in that cubicle, you can adore the Lord. When you're sitting in that desk as a student, you can adore the Lord. The wonderful thing is we have no limitation there. We can be driving down the road, and this is a good exercise for when you're driving down the road, and adore the Lord. Because otherwise we can get distracted, especially by those people who are texting on their phone and who are sitting at a red light. And, and we better start adoring the Lord. I need to. I know that. Because when they're texting there and the light's been green for 15 seconds, I want to introduce them to the Lord. <laughs> it's like, come on, let's get going. So this issue of adoration is something that the psalmist wanted to make sure his audience understood. And it's something that we need to understand. And there is, listen, I love being here on a Sunday morning and worshiping with you guys. I hope I say this right. I wish we did it more. That'd be all right. I just wonder what we're missing out on, right? You know, church culture has been through a lot. When I was at Southeastern Bible College, we had to put together our own church. I did that wrong. You know, one of the things that I did is I took out opportun more opportunity. Um, I was really thinking more about the culture, I think. Okay, people don't want to come to church. If they've been to church one time, they don't want to come back. Well, maybe not all the time, but maybe there ought to be just some times where we plan to worship the Lord even beyond a Sunday morning service. Right? So in keeping with that thinking... Um, I hadn't even talked to Ron about this. So if he can't do it, I'll be leading the singing or somebody will. But this year, we're going to have a New Year's Eve service. Right? 
Now, I'm not telling you come here and we're gonna, I'm going to feed you afterward. We, we're not talking about that. But we're, we're going to come here, those who can. And I understand sometimes things get in the way of that that are good things. But we're going to worship the Lord together. Because I can't think of anything better, whether it's me individually sitting at home adoring the Lord or being with the congregation of people, I can't think of anything better where the Lord would find me doing than worshiping Him. And you know what the psalmist is saying? Hey, listen, you need to have in your DNA, right, in your mind, worship, adoration of the Lord. Well, I need to give you three things to leave with. Here we go. So from the words we looked at today, the counsel that the psalmist gives, the confidence he has in the commitment, we need to go home with the mind to trust in the Lord, anchor our lives in Him. Secondly, we need to go home with the mind, the understanding that blessing is from the Lord. Blessing comes from Him. And then thirdly, go home with a longing to adore the Lord. I would say moment by moment as we have an opportunity to do that. All right? Well, this morning we want to transition and adore the Lord and celebrate the Lord for all that He's done for us as we consider the cross, as we consider the ultimate price that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ um, did for us on the cross at Calvary. So I want to have a word of prayer, and I think the choir is going to come up and then uh, we'll continue our service, all right? Let's pray together. Lord, um, I think probably when it comes to this issue of adoring you, we could all do a little better, and maybe we could think about how we do that. We can adore you through song. We adore you through the Word of God. We adore you through reading and praying, but we adore you by serving you. I think about the life of Paul and, and just the opportunities that you gave him through his life to adore you. Uh, and adoration, while it's a wonderful thing, Lord, what you ask of us at times can be difficult, but help us to know that we can trust in you, that, that we can throw our anchor down and trust in the Lord God. I pray that as we consider Psalm 115 that we would know that and be reminded of the fact that there may be other idols that, that even as Christians we've put in front of all these things that we've talked about this morning. Maybe we, we have an idol that, that this family and we've let family trump you or, or it's money or it's materialism or it's our job, our career. Lord, help us to keep you in the center. Because at the end of the day, you are the only one worthy of glory and honor and praise. And so as we continue our service, I pray that you are adored and that you are honored in the name of Christ. Amen.
Thank you, choir. So I'm going to ask the elders and deacons who've um, been chosen to serve this morning to come down. And um, let me just talk a little bit about the Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper is a time of remembrance. It's a time of celebration. 
it's a time where each and every one of us uh, need, who are in Christ need to come to the table uh, clean vessels. Uh, we need to confess uh, the sin in our lives. And you know what's so wonderful about confession? There's forgiveness. And it's immediate. Uh, and it's not like the ones around us that, that forgive conditionally. The Lord does not. He forgives not like man. And so we need to understand that. I think sometimes we can be, get discouraged in that, thinking, I don't know how the Lord could forgive me for this because it's been about the hundredth time I've done this in my life. Well, you know what? I don't understand it either, but it's called grace. And God forgives. And so don't come thinking, well, God could never. No, 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 no. Paul, I think, came to that point in his life where he was just amazed at the grace of God when he said, oh, wretched man that I am. He was already a saved man. He was talking in the context of sanctification. He's like, man, I keep doing the same things over and over again. Well, don't you find yourself doing the same things over and over again? Welcome to Paul's club, right? So when we come to the table, it's important that, that we celebrate. It's important we understand it's a time of worship, of remembrance. But we need to also understand it's an important time of confession. That's why Paul writes what he does, right? That we are to examine ourselves and then eat and then take, right? So we examine and we ask for forgiveness. We have the forgiveness and we take together. And all God's people can shout in celebration, thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Young people, I hope you're encouraged by that. Because you think as a young person you've been saved, you're like, man, I just keep doing the same things over again. So do all these old people, okay? That's just the reality of it. And Thad Blunt's first. I'm the, just like Paul, I'm the chief of sinners. Paul said it. I'm in that club too. But you know what? I'm also in the club of grace, right? I don't abuse grace, right? I don't, I don't, I don't have that heart to abuse grace, but I am thankful for the forgiveness of the Lord. So please understand that, right? Don't, don't live as a defeated Christian. I'm going to start preaching again. This is just, just such a tremendous opportunity to share with you something that's been a burden on my life, in my life and heart that people would understand that. You know, once you're justified in Christ and declared righteous, that's it. And the rest of your Christian life, right, we understand that that flesh, it's a battle. You know, that old man has not been eradicated. I wish... The reality is it's in front of me every single day. But I'm not like I used to be, right? I don't have to live under the power of sin. I can live under the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? Well, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 to examine ourselves. So I think it's important for us to have that moment right now that we would all examine ourselves. I need to say one more thing before we do that. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you can partake of these elements. You do not have to be a member of grace. If you're a member of the body of Christ, that's where it's at. And being in fellowship with him. And so I want to give you an opportunity right now to just bow. And uh, let's all take that time to confess in our lives what we need to before the Lord. All right?
Lord, it's amazing to me that in that upper room, you knew exactly what was coming. <laughs> and you did it. <laughs> Your body uh, was broken for us. Oftentimes, we think of the cross and it's right to do. So I hope this is heard right, Lord. But that flogging that took place before the cross, on the way to the cross, was excruciating. I just can't even imagine what must have been going through the minds of, of your disciples, your followers. But I know they got it eventually. And they understood that you were willing to make that walk. You were willing to take those nails and the crown of thorns and just the abuse that was hurled at you, the mockery. Lord, um, thank you for staying on the cross. Thank you for dying for my sins. And as your word, word says, for the sins of the whole world, you made it possible for those that are in this room that don't know you, you made it possible that they might have eternal life through you. So I pray if there's one in this room today that has not met the Lord Jesus Christ, that has not said, I believe in what Jesus did in dying for my sins on the cross and paying that debt I couldn't pay. I pray if there's one here today that, that needs salvation, the salvation you offer, I pray that today could be the day. And for those of us who know you, we celebrate that we know you. We celebrate the position that we have in Christ. We celebrate the fact you paid our penalty. And we celebrate the fact that we can have every day fellowship with you. But we understand, Lord, because your word tells us that sin impedes that fellowship. So I pray that we have confessed that and understand the forgiveness that we have this morning as we partake of the bread and the cup. So this morning, I want to just specifically thank you for the bread as we take it this morning. It represents your body that was broken for us. And so I pray that as we take that, it would be a time of reflection, but also a time of celebration because you did what no one could do. And so thank you for that in the name of Christ. Amen.
When they were in the upper room, it says this, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And so as we take of the bread today, we remember the body of our Lord. Ask Bruce Scrubs, one of our elders, to pray for the cup this morning. Let's pray, family, and remember. We thank you, Father, for just the blessing of this time of remembering what your Son, the Lord Jesus, did for us on the cross. And as Thad mentioned, not for us only, but for the whole world. He took home their sin. And we thank you. And in taking on our sin, blood had to be shed. And that's what he did. The law commanded it. There's no... No forgiveness without the blood. So we thank you for that. And ask now as we take the cup that we remember his sacrifice 
and the blood that he shed. Thank you. In Jesus' name. same upper room uh, when he had given, taken a cup and given thanks he gave it to them saying drink from it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins 
But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So as we think about the Lord, we think about the blood that was shed, we take this juice in remembrance of the blood that was shed for us. Let's conclude our worship time this morning. Let's all stand. Sing just as I am.
1962, my father was watching a Billy Graham crusade and got saved. Every time I hear that, of course, they didn't sing the new version, I don't think, but every time I hear that song, just as I am, I think of my dad and the grace of the Lord in his life. Um, I trust you belong to the Lord today. If there's any doubt that you have that you don't belong to Christ, I'd love to talk with you about how you can come into relationship with the Lord that loves you more than anyone you could ever think of. Listen to these words. After I read this, you'll be dismissed. I encourage you to speak to someone this morning that you don't know. All right? And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Why? So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you were healed. May the Lord be honored today. You are dismissed.